Hello, and welcome back to Talking Tomlet. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masacha Chagiga Daf Zion, page seven. So the Gemara begins, uh, we're going to have a new Mishnah today, but with a interesting discussion or machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan uh, and Reish Lakish about the essence of the mitzvah of Ra'ayon, right, of this process of going up to the Beit HaMikdash and uh, being, you know, as I keep saying, uh, seeing and being seen by God. And the way that this begins is they quote a very, very famous Mishnah um, from Masech Peah. It's actually the first Mishnah in Peah. It's actually started at the bottom of the previous stop. We learned in a Mishnah, right, elsewhere, these are the things that have no shior. Hapea, right? The mitzvah of Pea, which uh, doesn't allow farmers to harvest their entire field, right? They have to leave a corner or an edge of the field uh, unharvested. Um, the Hapikurim, right? So those the Bikurim is what was brought up on Shavuos, the first fruits. The Harayon, right? The Rayon. Ugmilu Chasadim, and acts of kindness. Vitamu Torah, and the studying of Torah. And so here the question is, what does Rayon mean here, right? Does it mean the Olat um, Rayon, the Korban that we bring that is associated with this mitzvah? Or is it just the general mitzvah of Re'iyah, of sort of appearing in uh, the in the Beit HaMikdash? So now we're going to have a very interesting machlokas between and Reish Lakish. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan says, Kisavrun Anu Lomar, right? We considered saying, right, what does this Mishnah mean? Harayon ain lo shior lamala. Rayon, right, the Ola Rayon has no maximum measure. But it does have a minimum measure, meaning one can bring basically as many Olot that they want to bring, but it does have a minimum measure, which is one korban that probably is according to the amount of money. That it must be, which is, uh, uh, which uh, you know, uh, of um, uh, you know, one ma'a of silver, according to uh, Beit Hillel, right? And so he said, this is what we would have thought. Until Rabbi Yoshia came and taught uh, the following, uh, taught it basically in the name of Rabbi, the following Billy made. The Olat Rayon, this korban, doesn't have a maximum or a minimum measure, basically according to how it needs to be performed. But the Chachamim say, But rather, what do the Chachamim say? The Olat Rayon has to be worth at least one silver ma'a, and the Shlami Chagiga have to be worth at least uh, two silver ma'a, which again is the opinion, uh, uh, that is the opinion of... Um, of, of Beit Hillel. So we sort of move from, you know, what is it when we say a minimum or a maximum? Is it an amount of money that the Korban actually uh, has to uh, cost? Or is it the number of Korbanas that they bring? And so again, now the Gemara wants to understand this use of the word Rayon. Maha Rayon, what's the meaning of Rayon? Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Panim Ba'azara. So Rabbi Yochanan says it just means the appearing in the courtyard. And Reish Lucky says it's the appearing in the courtyard with the actual korban. And I think this is an essential machlokas for understanding what is the mitzvah of Rayon, right? What is the mitzvah of, you know, seeing God and to be seen by God? 
Is it just that you have to show up? And incidental to that, part of that process, because you're going to be at the in the Beit Hamikdash, is you also bring a korban, or is the essence that you have to come with a korban in order to fulfill? So it's not really just about this kind of beautiful notion of being, you know, of seeing and being seen, but you have to actually have to come with something physical in your hand. And so now the Gemara wants to sort of qualify this: be karha ragel, right? Regarding the main part of the festival, meaning the first day. Everybody agrees that you have to come with an offering. So the first day, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish both agree you have to come with this offering. What did they disagree about? On the other days of the, uh, of the holiday. Right? Anyone who comes to the courtyard for the rest of the days and brings, you know, and brings something, Everyone agrees that you would accept it from him. What do they disagree about? That he comes to the courtyard on the rest of the day of, uh, of, of the day, but he doesn't actually bring with him a korban. Rabbi Yochanan basically says, no, the mitzvah is just to show up in the courtyard. After the first day, you don't have to bring anything. So whenever somebody comes into the courtyard, he does not need to bring an offering. Rish Lucky says, no mitzvah of appearing has to be with a korban. So when somebody comes, he must bring an offering. So I almost look at it as like, and it's like that, you know, thing that people always have, like, are you one of those people who always brings a hostess gift or are you not so one who always brings a hostess gift? <laughs> like after the first time, you know the person well. You don't need to bring the hostess gift anymore. So I think that's a little bit of what's going on here. But this is really, it's an interesting sort of like essential machlokas to understand this mitzvah. What's the essence of the mitzvah? And it seems clear that according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's really about just the act of showing up, of physically having your body there. And according to Reish Lakish, the emphasis is on actually, you know, bringing the korban um, that is that's associated with it. Um, and then the Gemara is basically, you know, sort of going to go try to challenge uh, Rabbi Yochanan's view, right? Like Reish Lakish obviously is going to quote that pasuk, you shouldn't appear empty-handed, right? And so Rabbi Yochanan is going to just say, no, it's bikar ha-regel, just means the first day. Um, and then they're going to, so they, you know, they give basically uh, three challenges to Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, there's one uh, uh, there's one major challenge uh, that's given to uh, to uh, Reish Lakish and has to do with how you interpret certain psukim. So I'm not going to read all of that, and it's it's for an interesting discussion. But I think as we try to understand the mitz, this particular mitzvah of Ra'ayon, which really is a mitzvah that again we don't have any type of modern day way of doing once the Beit Hamikdash uh, is no longer with us. I think this machloka serves as a good basis to understand what the essence of it is. Is the emphasis, according to Rabbi Yochanan, on appearing, or is the emphasis, which according to Rish Lakish is, is that it's it's, it's bringing that gift that you're going to give uh, with with to God that you have to give God something if you are to enter God's courtyard. Um, and uh, you know, I, I will have to see if this plays out or the essence of this mitzvah, you know, comes out in other ways later on. So, you know, sometimes the anthropomorphism seems like that's the way we talk. 
And then every so often it strikes me like, whoa, anthropomorphism. And this is one of those times because I feel like, wait, God needs like, anyway, that's all. Meaning everything you've just said makes perfect sense. I even like the, you know, the hostess gift analogy, right? It makes perfect sense to me. And then there's this thing of like, wait, what, what are we doing in the sense of what is this service of God with that we can't show up empty handed? Like, but God knows us, you know, like that, that kind of, you know, philosophical, theological, what's really going on here. I, I'm so not I, taking issue with anything you've said. I'm right, just, no, no. I, I think what I'm starting to see <laughs> about this mitzvah of Rayon is it, it, it's like a real sort of personal encounter between the individual and God, like even the Korban Pesach had a very different feel. It was a communal act of eating something together to remember experience. There's something so deeply personal about Ra'ayom. That's how I'm starting to feel about it. That's really interesting. Always, anytime there's going to be this kind of like, you know, mandatory requirement and also it's personal. It's always quite interesting. Okay, I'm going to jump to the Mishnah. We're going to stop thinking too much. And um, here we have, we're going back to Korbanot, meaning this should not surprise us. We're in Masach and Chagiga. Olot b'mo'ed ba'ot min hachulin. When we have Korbanot Ola, right, the burnt offerings, and they're brought on Cholamoid, they come from Chulin. They come from non-hektesh, not sacred property. Meaning, for example, Master Shani or uh, any other kinds of like these gifts that are given to the Beit HaMikdash, but not for this. Meaning this Korban Ola has to come from like your regular food, basically, right? Okay. Then it says, Vashlamim min hamaser. But the Korban Shlamim can be can be brought from Master Shani. Meaning from, what? how does Master Shani work? You redeem, you kind of put the Kodesh, you put the Hektesh, the sanctity of the of your tithing onto money and you bring the money to Yerushalayim and then that same purchase of food in Yerushalayim can be used here for this purpose of the Korban presumably because I mean this is not rocket science actually for a change right because the Korban Shlamim is something that the person eats or eats from rather and not in, in its entirety and the Korban Ola is burned in its entirety for God so then your your Master Shani money that is supposed to be used for you to eat in Yerushalayim in in sanctity in Jerusalem, it doesn't make sense to buy a korban olah with that, but it does make sense to buy a korban shlamim. Yom tov Yom tov harishon shall pesach. Now, when we come to the first day of pesach, and we've already spent the whole masacha talking about the first day of pesach, right? So, when it comes to the first day of pesach, Beit Shammai says you bring from chulin from non sacred property, and Beit Hill says you could bring it again. You could even bring it from Master Shani. Now. The Mishnah is going to, you know, go on from here and we're going to hit some more general principles, I, you know, the way I would call it. Yisrael yotzin yedei chovatan b'nedarim u'b'nedavot, no, just u'nedavot, u'v'maser behema, v'akoanim b'chataot v'ashamot u'b'bachor u'v'chazev shok, v'alo b'ofot v'lo b'menachot. So now these general principles are about other way, other about fulfilling the obligation of other kinds of offerings, meaning we're no longer talking, or this little passage of the Mishnah, we're not talking about Cholamoid per se, and we're not talking about Yantif Pesach per se. It's really interesting to me, Yardina, that the Mishnayot of Chagiga, this is the second time I think that we've seen this, this is our second Mishnah, right? That the second half and the first half are like 
not really talking to each other. Um, you know, I might have thought that these would be two separate Mishnayot, but they're not. Okay, so how does this, how do we explain this? What do they do? Yisrael, meaning all of Israel, not Kohanim, not Levim. What do they do? They bring Shlamim, right? They want to bring their peace offerings or their Chagigas for that matter, right? Meaning they're bringing the rejoicing um, Karbanot. When, what happens if you make a Nidava, a voluntary oath to bring a Karban? You're going to do that, and then you bring it on the festival, meaning you make the oath at any time of the year, and it happens to be that you bring it now to sacrifice during during the holiday. And likewise, you might do with um, with Maser Behema, the tithing of animals. Okay, All of that is Yisraelim. Then the Mishnah finishes up here with the Kohanim. What do the Kohanim bring? They fulfill their obligation of Simcha, meaning, so maybe it's not fair to say that it's really not talking to the first half of the Mishnah. It is, but it's just it doesn't flow. Like it, they're still talking about what you can do on Yantif, but the difference between that first, those first obligatory ones, and here it's talking about optional or how you might come to. I don't know. Some something about this strikes me as a little bit more, a little bit less jointed, a little bit more disjointed than we might usually expect. Um, maybe that's too much expectation on my part. So what happens? The Kohanim bring. What do they bring? They rejoice if they have meat. You know from the korbanot of chataot that other people bring and they get to eat some of it, right? And ashamot, likewise, they get to eat some of the guilt offerings. Obabachor, when a firstborn brings a firstborn offering, the Kohanim get a bit of that. And likewise, they end up with shlabim, they get the chazeh, that's the breast, the shok, and the thigh. Um, if these are bird offerings, we know what that looks like. Once we're talking about um, the four-legged animals, I have a harder time knowing exactly which parts you know, in Israel, all the meats are numbered. In America, things have names. I'm still not exactly sure how that would line up to what, you know, which particular roast you would be getting. So what can they not do? They cannot fulfill that obligation to bring, to to have rejoicing, to have simcha with a bird offering. Bird offerings are part of the chata'ot, part of the sin offerings often enough. And then likewise, not with menachot. Menachot are meal offering, drain offerings. They're not... I mean, they're part of eating, but they're not considered rejoicing. Okay, now I'm going to get to the Gemara. Um, just a little bit of it, right, really, where it says as follows. The Mishnah says, Ela olot When the Mishnah says that the korbanot ola, that we bring on cholamoid, have to come from chulin, right? So then the implication of that is that if it's not cholamoid, then maybe your olot could come from Asr Shedi. Meaning the moment we get specific about it to say that you couldn't, that it has to come from Hulin, that and, and specifically on Cholamoid, then the implication is, well, what if it weren't Cholamoid? Could you could you then bring it for Maser Shani? And the logic of this is clear, but also you have to pay attention to it to get there, right? So then the Gemara says, well, why would that why would that work? It's a it's an obligatory thing. And the idea is that once you've got something that's obligatory, something that is required, or what they call chova, right? So then that burnt offering is chova. And once you've got a chova, then every kind of obligation in this way needs to come from um from chulin, from regular non-sacred property. Well, of course, then you might say, why do you even have to specify it then, right? 
וכידם ההקמה של העולות במועד באות ביום טוב, אנן באות, אינן באות. So then we're going to say that when we bring קרבנות עולה, we bring them on the חול המועד, but we do not bring them at all on, on יונדף, that, you know, how can that be? And then this goes back to the discussion of Beit Shammai and Beit Shammai's position to begin with, you know, when are you, when are you allowed to bring it? You can bring it from the, you can bring it from, you bring it from Chulin and not from Hektesh, not from that which has been sanctified. And the Gemara here goes on, and it's really going to take us into, even into the next daf, um, into further into this discussion between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, right? Because Beit Shammai says that when you bring a Shlamim, right, the question is, can it, you know, does it have to be um, hectation? Uh, could it be? Right? I'm sorry, I'm saying this backwards. Could it be from Aser Shani? And Beit Shammai says no. And Beit Hillel says, shlamim ve'olot You can bring a korban shlamim, and you can bring a korban olah, and you do smicha yadayim, which Beit Shammai says you don't do. Right? And then this is going to be a different, like it's going to be a dis- another distinction between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai as, you know, about what korban what the korban is here. Um, the, Gemara, the rest of our daf, or a bit of the rest of our daf, talks about the language of the mission itself and what, you know, did it include all of the details and so on. But we're going to stop here. Um, yeah, we're going to stop here and we'll pick it up again tomorrow. That's our daf discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about this stuff and our return to Karba Notes. Thank you to Robin and Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.